DiscerningHearts.com presents The School of Prayer, Reflections on the Teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is a professor of spiritual theology and serves as a spiritual director at Kenrick Lennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Deacon Keating has led more than 400 workshops in areas of morality and spirituality and has authored numerous books, including The Way of Mystery, Listening for Truth, and Spiritual Fatherhood. The School of Prayer, Reflections on the Teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. On Pope Benedict's teachings on prayer, which he's revealed to us over a series of audiences, in the second audience, he speaks a reflection on faith and reason in the beginning. He says, A look at recent history reveals the failure of the predictions of those who, in the age of the Enlightenment, foretold the disappearance of religions and who exalted absolute reason detached from faith, a reason that was to dispel the shadows of religious dogmatism and was to dissolve the world of the sacred, restoring to the human being freedom, dignity, and autonomy from God. Autonomy from God. Is that really the answer? Well, I think where the Pope says the word freedom there is the real crux of the lie that the Western world has been involved in now for uh, hundreds hundreds of years, a couple hundred years at least or more. And the lie is um, that somehow when you are uh, attached to God uh, intellectually, willfully, and affectively, that you lose your human dignity, that in some way loving God is beneath our dignity as humans, and that God, and as God is expressed in religion, is the enemy of human freedom. But it's just the opposite, and the diabolical has been at work for a few hundred years, and in the work of the devil, there has been uh, situated within the human heart an agreement with this lie that if only I could get out from under God and religion, then I would know what real human life is about. And the truth is, only if you allow God to live within your mind as his Holy Spirit, Will your mind ever be able to discern and receive the truth? For without God and without his living spirit within us, we are left alone thinking out of a broken mind, a weakened mind. Certainly not an obliterated mind. We certainly can reach aspects of truth through reason alone. But we cannot attain human freedom and the fullness of human dignity without allowing the Holy Spirit to infuse these minds that God has given us with his ray of truth and light. And wherever religion is squashed or wherever God is pushed into a private corner, then you have a vacuum And the vacuum is usually filled with some type of human hegemonic leadership, totalitarianism, or some form 
of oppression because that vacuum is not filled by the divine. It's filled by broken, weak human beings who, left to ourselves, we will take power unto ourselves. We will manipulate and we will use others for our own ends. That's what broken people do. That's what sinners do. And so Benedict here is laying out the foundation for the recovery of truth because he points to Western history and says, see what happens when the mind is unfettered? It leads to great uh, disasters. See what happens when a person is not truly leading a sacramental life? Like what happened in Germany in name only, Catholics in name only what the Nazis did to the Jews. See what happens in other areas of the world where God is banished in communism, in other areas of the Far East, the tragedies of cultures that have told God to leave. And what you have is oppression and violence. And so Benedict is reestablishing the bulwark of reason, which is to allow God to affect our minds. That prayer is not the enemy of thought, but prayer throws light on truth, and prayer guides us to the truth. Prayer guides us to freedom. Prayer does not in any way diminish the dignity of the human being. That man has attempted in since the time of the Enlightenment, to separate himself from religion, therefore separating himself from God. That God is not far away watching us from a distance like that awful song that was popular years ago, but that he is actually so close. And that's what is so frightening for some. It's easier to deal with a God that's far away. I can get in touch with them sometimes. It's like having extended family. It, it, I'll give them a call next week. But to know that God is so close that he is in us, that's something we have to deal with. That's a reality, isn't it? Yes, and I think you can experience that sometimes when you, when you sometimes get tired of being good. Like if you've ever had the experience where you're just, I'm just tired of being good. Uh, this is a you know quintessentially human experience because of our weakness. How could you ever be tired of being good? But because of there because there is a drag at our spirit, because of uh, original sin and our fallen nature, on occasion humans will yell out. You know, I'm just oh I've been so good recently. I'm just sick and tired of being good. And then they um, develop language like I just want to let loose or I want to enjoy myself, which basically or usually means I want to sin. And there's a fatigue of being good. Now, in the early stages of our prayer life, and as we let God closer, uh, converts, those people that move from serious sin to uh, grace, they will experience something like this, but not in the same measure that those who are just trying to be ethical do. Because Jesus himself helps you through this when you just feel tired of being good. It's his closeness and his intimacy with you that actually begins to satisfy you. And you no longer look then 
toward what they, you know, the high school mentality, which is, I can't wait for the weekend. Waiting for the weekend was always a symbol of sin, to no longer work, to cut loose, or whatever language they want to use. It was rationalized because I've been good all week. What, what does that mean? The person was studying and doing their duty. They were going to bed on time. And then they grew weary of being good. Now notice, they're just growing weary of being good from an imposed ethic, either by a parent or by a school. But when you allow Jesus very close to you, you no longer are ever tired of being good because it's not imposed on you. You see the beauty and the goodness of human integrity itself in the light of Christ and carried to your heart by Christ. And you literally desire it. You no longer pine for uh, immature escape from what it means to be human. Because Jesus is bringing you beauty, rest, peace. And so the coming of Jesus very close to us is our liberation from ethics, from an imposed law or duty that is external to us and that we grow weary of carrying. With Jesus, you're never weary of being holy because he is continually flooding your heart with the grace that gives you a deep desire to be his, to be one with him, to draw life from him. It's like in a very good marriage where you would not hear the spouses ever say, I'm wearying of you. But they actually delight in just being with each other. And so in the Western world, we don't like God being so close because at first, because of our uh, artificial understanding of what it means to be ethical, at first, even God himself appears as an external burden that we have to carry. And so we push him away like we do ethical laws. But if we would only just wait a little longer and let what first appears to be a burden become sweet, as St. Bonaventure says. We would know that he is carrying toward us not an external law that will burden us, but the very liberation that we are panting after in the very depths of our heart. To be free from immorality, not because we're violating a law, but because to be free of immorality is to be free. And this is what Jesus brings when we let him close. And of course, this is what the church is laboring to bring to Western culture and the world, the good news, that if you let him close, you will be free. But if you keep pushing him away, you will be bound and therefore, you will be like the rich young man. You will go away sad. To let him in is to pray, is it not? To let him in is to pray, and even more deeply, to let him in is to have him pray in you. And this, of course, is the goal. 
is to let him so close that he prays in you. And as he's praying in you, you respond. And it becomes a, a dialogical interpenetration of freedoms. Your freedom and the freedom of God. Interpenetrating each other. To what end? To the joy and the appropriation of love. To the joy and the appropriation of willing one another's well-being. And of course, how do we will the well-being of God? By letting God be God. By letting God's will reign. By letting God's love be the norm of our time, of our culture. And how is this enfleshed? By all the ways that he told us. Whatever you do to the least of my brothers, you do to me. That's how we love God. That's how we will God's well-being. We love the poor. We love the other. But we cannot love the poor and we cannot love the other by our own steam, by our own will. We will grow weary of the other. The other will become enemy very quickly. The other's needs will become burdens that I cannot carry. The only way we can love the neighbor is if we let Jesus in. And so simultaneously, as we let Jesus close, we not only are growing in great love of him, but we are simultaneously becoming pastoral. We are becoming the shepherd who looks for the lost sheep. There is no rivalry between prayer and service. Both are born at the level of a human being allowing God to love him or her. And the fruit of that communion is called service or moral behavior or charity. But they flow from the same center, prayer and good works. They should never be separated. They should never be seen as rivals. There's no such thing as praying too much. God won't let you pray, authentically pray, without ordering you then, then toward the poor. And if you want to serve the poor, you must pray. Because the poor and their neediness will send you to God. You cannot stand the presence of the poor without prayer. For they will become an intolerable burden on you if you just use your own natural wit and will. So letting Jesus close is prayer. And letting Jesus close is at the service of the welfare of of humanity for an intimacy with Jesus the Christian heart of charity is unleashed we'll return in just a moment to the school of prayer reflections on the teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating did you know that discerning hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite discerning hearts programming Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. 
Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. We now return to The School of Prayer, Reflections on the Teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating. To let Jesus pray within us, ultimately, it, it's the fundamental act of submission, isn't it? To silence ourselves and let him do the talking in our own hearts, but also in that dialogue with the Father. It's the first foundational building block of letting go and letting him, and quieting ourselves and being utterly silent. Well, silence, of course, is the, uh, the conveyance of intimacy. See, without silence, and Pope Benedict bring this, brings this up in his audience, without silence, you cannot have intimacy with God. For silence transports intimacy to the heart. And, of course, the Western world today is in a great crisis of noise. There's so much sound around us that it becomes our oxygen. It's truly polluted air that we cannot, in, in any manner or length of time, be with the Lord in silence. 
it drives the Western person crazy. It is experienced as a pain. And what the Western person wants to do when they're enveloped in silence is to end the pain. So they escape the silence whenever they can. They continue to bathe their minds and their hearts in noise and sound. And therefore, Jesus can't really reach to the level that he wants to reach. He can't raise up in our consciences what we need to let go of, where our, where our suffering uh, originates, the source of our pain, the names of our sins. He can't raise any of that because we can't stand this initial pain, this initial suffering of silence. And we continue to want to escape into noise and sound. And even in our liturgies, and hopefully with the new uh, or revised translation of the Roman Missal, hopefully in many dioceses that were catechized well, we'll use the occasion to reintroduce not only a better translation of the Missal, and not only a deeper inclusion of Scripture, but we will finally, for once and for all, introduce silence back into the Mass. And the Church is very clear that after the homily and after the reception of Holy Communion, there are to be times of silence. And if we do not respect this within the liturgy, liturgy itself can simply become noise and action. And without silence, grace cannot be transported to the heart in a particular manner. No homilist can read the hearts of the 1,000 people in the church. No prayers from the Roman Missal can be so particularized as to unleash freedom and liberation in 1,000 people in the church. There is only one way for the Mass to become particularized for Tom or Nancy or Sarah, and that is if the presider first tutors what to do in silence, and then second, is generous in allowing it. Because in silence, the Holy Spirit who reads our hearts, knows the particular pain, suffering, and difficulty that we are in. And through the graces of the Mass, transported by the silences, the Spirit himself will heal the particular wounds and pains, anxieties and fears that all the individuals bring to Mass. And without silence, the liturgy itself can simply become a blur of sound and action. And so the real revolution of prayer in the 21st century is going to be when the Catholic Church rediscovers silence, tutors people what to do in silence, and promotes silence within the liturgy. And then people will really begin to know how close God wants to come to them.
by being silent and allowing the Holy Spirit to work, we're actually relinquishing control. We're being submissive, aren't we? It's no longer our will, but his will. And even in our gestures, the Holy Father brings forth the act of submission in our posture of kneeling. Yes, the, the control factor is so strong, uh, even with, you know, the words of the Mass or a private prayer, you know, controlling God by words. We could easily slip into that. Thinking that somehow, in saying words, we're running worship, private or liturgical. And we could very easily forget that we are being invited into, ultimately, the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross, the grace of his resurrection. We are being invited into that in worship. It's not our idea. It's God's initiative. It's God's love that's drawing us into the Paschal Mystery whether directly in the Eucharist or by rays of grace in personal and private prayer. But this is not about us. And it's certainly not about us controlling something. It's about us being taken. And the reason it's very difficult is because uh, being taken is akin to dying. And worship is akin to dying. Surrendering, as you said, being submissive, allowing God to love us, receiving, and being taken. All of those realities are very difficult for us in the West. And yet, we have to let God take us, or we won't be saved. And one of the ways that we allow God to take us is to let ourselves see his beauty. And beauty, according to uh, many theologians and philosophers, simply the radiance of God's truth. Seeing the radiance of God's truth. What is the radiance of God's truth? Jesus on the cross. This is who God is. God loves, even if it kills him. This is the beauty of Christ that he thinks of us and doesn't think of himself. As Simone Weil once said, it's God's job to think of me. It's my job to think of others. When God is thinking of us, as he always is, we are free to think of others. In other words, we're free to become Christ. And we are free then to become beautiful. That's what a saint is. A saint is someone who is so transparently Christ that they are beautiful, that they radiate the truth. And when we allow ourselves to really see what's happening in prayer and at the Mass, the radiation of God's truth, an amazing thing happens, says Benedict XVI. We want to kneel. Our bodies want to kneel. Not because an authority tells us to. Not because we're subjugated to some rule. But beauty itself brings us to our knees. 
And so our whole body is involved in worship. Take my heart, take my soul. In the presence of such beauty, I kneel before you. And of course, the saints would even say that they would want to lay down in the presence of the beauty. So submissive would they be, freely donating their whole bodies to God in Christ. And so, yes, there is a sense here that our silence leads to this deep intimacy of receiving. And then our receiving allows us to see the true beauty radiating out of Christ's most sacred heart. And then our body wishes to adore God, wishes to kneel, praise Him, or to lay down and adore Him until the fullness of Christ is in us, until Christ is all in all. Detached from faith, this doesn't make any sense. Detached from faith, this simply looks like some type of magic, some type of chicanery. It doesn't look effective. It doesn't look fruitful. It looks like magic. But with faith, worship always is the ultimate meaning that reason has apprehended. With faith, worship is always the ultimate meaning of human life that reason has apprehended. There is no more reasonable act than worship. But you only know that if you've let Christ love you. Any final thoughts, Deacon Keating? If we could continue to read Benedict XVI with a deep and open heart, we will see in his writings the very healing of the Western world. Thank you, Deacon Keating. Thank you. You've been listening to The School of Prayer, Reflections on the Teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it on the free Discerning Hearts app or on your favorite podcast streaming platform. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The School of Prayer, Reflections on the Teachings of Pope Benedict XVI with Deacon James Keating.